And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the third episode of the Fitness Uncovered podcast. Today, we're going to teach you how to have six-pack abs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what everybody wants, wants is it? Okay, yeah. so uh, we're going to be talking mostly about nutrition, how to change your body composition, what goes into that, what doesn't, what should and what shouldn't. Um, starting with Mr. Andres, you wanted to develop sure. the first topic here for us while sure. I open my Red Bull. Yeah, let me take this. I'm gonna <laughs> go grab mine too. Are you tra- um, are you tracking that into your macros, the Red Bull? Nah, <laughs> I'm definitely not. I actually, <laughs> actually, uh, somebody yesterday, and actually, we 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 both know this yeah. person, and I'll talk to you about uh, who it is after. They were hit, they hit me up yesterday, and they were talking not yesterday, a few days ago. They were they were asking me about specifically this topic about, you know, how, what do I do for my nutrition? Like, how do I keep track of everything? And they were talking about some things that you've told them too. Uh-huh. about uh, preparation, about how preparation is key. So we started talking about all of that. And uh, I'm curious now who it is. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll tell you. But uh, I, it's um, <laughs> I, what I told him was, he asked me also like how important tracking is, like in, in, in reference to everything, like if you want to change your body composition. And I told him like, first of all, I'll let you know this. Like I'm not tracking myself right now. Having said that, if you want to change your body composition, which we'll touch about, but um, but yeah, it's funny that like somebody literally hit me up and they asked me, they were like, uh, what's your next, uh, cause they told me that they've been w- uh, watching every single episode <coughs> of the podcast mm. and they were asking me like, what is your next episode? You guys should talk about nutrition. Mm. And I was oh, just oh, like, well, that's, well, that's, that's timely. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's we got active up. listeners. Which the, is the, the, I think the reason people have a lot of trouble with that is because it's the simplest thing, but it's the hardest thing mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to adhere to. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so psychological, especially because we have so many cultures and too. cultural. Yeah. That's what yes. I was going to say. There's yes. so many cultures yes. that push certain food mm-hmm. types and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. The, the plan, like you said, is really is the simplest plan. Yep. Really, really is. It's just adhering to it. Exactly. And managing the challenges and the obstacles that will come with it. Yeah, exactly. So to introduce the topic, um, which is body composition, I think the first thing that we need to talk about is explaining and defining what body composition entails. Because I think a lot of people get stuck on the weight number, Mm. right? So like, I wanna weigh 150 pounds or I wanna weigh 180 pounds. And I think that a lot of people think that because they've weighed that number before and they're like, I want to get back to feeling or, or looking how I was looking when I weighed that number. Mm-hmm. Or they've looked at somebody that weighs a specific number and they say, I want to I weigh that because that's what that looks like. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about changing the way that you look, weight is not such a big factor. Body composition is the biggest factor. So um, what body composition is, is the ratio of what makes up that weight, right? So if you're 200 pounds or if you're 150 pounds, what, com- what, is, what is that weight composed of? Is it mostly body fat? Is it mostly muscle and how much of it is muscle? What percentages is muscle? What percentage body fat? And obviously you have water, uh, bone, uh, you have uh, your organs and all of that stuff too. Um, but mainly the things that we wanna talk about when we're trying to change body composition is body fat and skeletal muscle. Because those are the two variables that you can control the most, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So so that's what body composition is. And I think it's a way better measure to take track of whenever you're trying to change the way that you look rather than just looking at the scale and going by that number. You guys, yeah. you guys agree to that? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. For sure. I think a lot of people are very attached to the scale because that's also usually what 
professional bodybuilders use when they're going through bulking and cutting phases. Mm-hmm. So they get advice from those people that are obviously in that level of, mm-hmm. of right. training and fitness. And yeah, or and also some kind of a sport that has to do with a weight class. Right, mm-hmm. right. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely, <coughs> definitely body composition should be what you should be looking for instead of like the body weight because the body weight can vary on a daily basis very, very easily. Mm-hmm. And I tell this to my clients all the time. Like, I tell them to track them their body weight every single day, but not to see, like, uh, oh, I made it, oh, I'm weighing less, I'm, I'm weighing more. It's just so you can see that there is going to be differences depending <coughs> on what time you ate last night. Because let's say you usually finish eating, like, at 8, in the, uh, 8 p.m., and you wake up at 6 in the morning. That's, like, what, like? a good 10 hours mm-hmm. in between. So you weigh yourself that day, and now you weigh, like, let's say 135. But then let's say next day, it's Friday night. You ate the same, right? But you finished eating at 12 o'clock. But then the next morning, you wake up at 6 in the morning again, right? And what happens? You weigh yourself, and you weigh more. And you're freaking out. And you're freaking out. You're like, I'm 137. How? Jose, Jose the program isn't yeah. working. Jose, Jose, Jose. <laughs> I, you I, were wrong. Jose, I swear to you, I swear I tracked everything. They sent me, like, the, the macros. They sent me everything that they ate. And I'm like, no, I, I believe you. Don't don't worry. Don't freak out. Oh, but I, I can 137, two pounds more than yesterday. I'm like, what time do you go to sleep? Oh, at 12. What time do you wake up? At six. They probably gained two pounds of fat yeah. when they went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and they inhaled it from the, the atmosphere. Did. So what happens yeah. is that since you wo- you weigh yourself now six hours after your last meal, you haven't fully digested your food. So that food is still in your stomach. And so when you weigh yourself on the scale, the scale doesn't know if you have more food or not. It just knows weight. Yeah. It just knows yeah. how much weight you have in fat and, and muscle and, and water weight and hair that you have plus the food that you haven't fully digested like all that is taken into account with the scale so that's why body composition should be more of a way to to measure if you're making progress because if you're just always looking for the body weight you're going to be confused you're going to be frustrated mm-hmm. so now basically it's just, now just as a, t- it's a teaching lesson right just like hey you're going to vary your body weight from day to day depending mm-hmm. on what time you go to sleep, when, when's the last time you weigh yourself, did you drink more water the day before, did you d- drink water, less water the day before, did you increase the your carbs, sodium, did you increase your carbs, oh, yeah, sodium, sodium. Huge too. so many factors taken into account. How many times did you pee? Yeah, yeah, like stuff like that. Take into account how much you're going to weigh the next day. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. so basically, to sum it up, it, you're literally just going to poop it out later. Yeah, basically, basically. Yeah. Yeah. basically, it's it's gonna it's the average. So and 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 going back to how yeah, you yeah. started, I was not gonna say the average, but go ahead. Is 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 I think a lot of people get emotionally attached to the number, right? Yeah. And and that's um, one of the things that I always tell my clients that you don't want to get overly excited when you have a sudden drop right. in weight. Just like you don't want to get frustrated when you don't drop in weight or where maybe even you have a, a, a small increase in weight when you know that you've been tracking and you know that you've been hitting your numbers and mm-hmm. you should be going down. So when I tell people to track or when I tell people to weigh themselves every day, I really emphasize the data. Like you want to look at this as information so that we can see patterns over time. And that way you can see, okay, yesterday I ate more carbs, <coughs> like you were saying, and I, you know, I, wo- I woke up two pounds 
uh, heavier. Yesterday I drank more water. I woke up one pound heavier. Yesterday I ate less carbs. I had less sodium. I, I dropped weight. And, and then I came back up the next day. So right. you can start seeing that like, and then you can start comparing the average of, of last week to the average of the week after. And then you can start seeing more patterns that are gonna be more um, indicative of what's really going on right. over time. Yeah. And sometimes you might not even lose weight for a little bit and you're hitting all your numbers. But that, again, it doesn't mean that you should decrease more and, and take more food away. It's ju it just means that your body's adapting and eventually it will continue uh, yeah. losing weight or, or going up or whatever, you know, it depends on, on, on what your calories are. Yeah, stress levels have a lot to do with that. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're stuck for a couple of weeks and you were very stressed during those weeks, it's because your body's trying to hold on to, it's, it's like cortisol levels are higher and so your body's it's like trying to hold on, trying to survive. But then all of a sudden, like, you get a, like a good night of sleep the week after. Nice week of sleeping well. And then all of a sudden, you just drop like a pound, maybe a pound and a half. Mm -hmm. So the main, the main thing is to stick to the plan. If you stick to the plan, it's going to work. Exactly. And to not freak out over the numbers. And just stay patient and mm -hmm. just stay consistent, which Absolutely. is wh what we've been talking about in this podcast the whole time. Consistency is going to be the key. And it's basically a fixed fight, the whole fitness mm -hmm. endeavor that you're going to partake in. Simple. But it's hard. simple, but it's right. yeah, that you see, that's where what Andres was talking about in the beginning. It's more psychological. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The plan is easy, but it's psychological factors, those obstacles that come in, that's what's going to make it more difficult to achieve your goal yeah. when it comes to body composition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how 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 should you track? So since we're saying that weight is not necessarily like you should be tracking your weight. But weight is not necessarily uh, it's not the, the, only one. The, the only thing that you should be tracking. And, and it's not going to tell you if you're progressing or not. Because you could be losing weight and not necessarily getting closer to your goal. Same thing if you're trying to build muscle. You could be gaining weight and not necessarily getting closer to your goal. So um, the best way, and I think you guys, I'm gonna, I want you guys to expand on this, but the best way I think to track progress, especially when you're trying to do body composition, is body fat percentage. There are a lot of ways of tracking body fat percentage. My personal preferred way is calipers. Hmm. Um, I think it's easy and I think it's something that like you, it's in, inexpensive um, and instead of something else. And it can, it can be something that uh, is consistent intra-rater, which means like you, if you're doing it always, you're going to be consistent with the way that you're doing it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Calipers. I'm not. To be honest with you, I hate them. Me yeah. too. <laughs> I yeah. Well. Why, why do you guys I, hate them? I hate. I hate. Um, Is it just uh, tedious? It, it's just a tedious word. Yeah. To yeah. be honest, uh, me being lazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. To me, I don't use calipers on my on my clients. I just use like measurements. Measurements. Yeah. Okay. So like waist. Uh, yeah, like circumference. Waist, yeah, like yeah. waist. Like the thighs. Mm -hmm. Um, biceps chest things like that mm -hmm. and even some clients don't even feel comfortable with you touching them like that yeah. so there are different so yeah, the, there's the diff jackson pollock method has either four point five point six point or seven point mm -hmm. uh -huh. so for females i use four point obviously and for males i use maybe six yeah so it depends obviously and like but they're usually pretty and again this is something that I need. I think we should address. No body fat percentage uh, measurement gonna tool is going to be 100%. 100%. That's, that's what accurate. I was going to touch on because even though I use uh, 
the, the measurements, sometimes I never really ever use them. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so basically I just track their body weight. Yeah. And so I track their body weight and if I see that the performance is still increasing, then that lets me know that their muscle mass is improving. Right. And so it's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah. I, I eyeball it. I yeah. literally eyeball it and I try to figure out their, their body weight. I tell them, please tell me your body weight consistently for this amount of time. And if mm -hmm. their performance hasn't dropped and their body weight mm -hmm. seems to be the same and they're looking leaner, well, that you probably know what that means. Right. Exactly. You know? right. Yeah. <laughs> and then they can also give you, they can give you their own um, experience of how they're feeling in their clothes. <coughs> like usually what happens is that if a person is weighing the same, but their clothes fit looser, mm -hmm. then they're, they're losing body fat yeah. and they're for sure. muscle mass. I, I was kind of looking for an uh, objective way of, of measuring progress. Mm -hmm. But yes, absolutely. I think that that is the best way of making sure that um, that we are uh, going the right direction is, is uh, you know, we could be taking all of these measurements, but at the end of the day, um, are you getting stronger? Mm. You know, do you feel better? Do you feel stronger? Do you, you, when you look in the mirror, do you see a difference? Those are all gonna be way better indicators than just taking the, the number on the scale. So when you mean objective, you mean like the calipers, the... Uh, right, so objective, I mean quantifiable. Measurements, quantifiable, okay, so. Mm -hmm. What about, what do you think about the, uh, those scales that they sell now that they give you. tell you the stuff no 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 like oh embodies is like more advanced you would say but like the ones that you can buy from at home oh, yeah, yeah. and they tell you the body weight and then right next to it they'll tell you the percentage body fat which typically is just like since you weigh less and you know you basically have to put in like the how much yeah how tall are you and if you're a female male um your body weight uh if you're athletic you work out three four times a week and then it gives you kind of like a guesstimate of your body fat percentage i have one and i think that staying consistent with the measurement is going to be the most important mm -hmm. thing so mm -hmm. like yeah maybe my scale tells me i'm 12 percent, but maybe i'm just 16. Mm -hmm. but either way when i'm losing body fat yeah. instead of telling me 12 it'll tell me 11.5 or it tell right. me 11. it's just as, as long as you keep the the tool the, the same. tool the same all the time that's how you can measure exactly. uh, your So does it need progress. to be accurate as long as it's consistent and precise? Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, right, right. Exactly. There's, so there's other ones like the M-Body, mm -hmm. uh, which is more, more accurate, but, but more it's also more expensive. Too, yeah. there's, yep. a, there's a DEXA scan, which is also is more expensive. And, and also not, very not accessible right. for a lot of people, you mm -hmm. know, right. so. You, you have to pay for like a... Yeah, you have to find a place to, to yeah. do that. Like yeah. Usually you know, hospitals are the ones that yeah. have the DEXA scan yeah. or something like that. And even those, like I've seen the results of those be a little bit... Yeah, none of them. Unless you want to do a cadaver, like you want to do a biopsy, like that's the only way that you're going to figure out the exact percentage. But um, so to clarify what we just said, keep the measurement tool the same. So if you're using electrical impedance, meaning like uh, those little things that you hold out and it tells you your body fat percentage, keep using the same one. If you're using the scale, keep using the same scale. What you don't want to do is you don't want to go to the scale and then go to embody. use a calipers and then go use the embody and then go, you know, you don't want to have all of these different measurement tools for your body fat percentage. You want to mm -hmm. use the same one because it doesn't matter if it's telling you if you're actually three below or above as long as you're going in the right direction. Yeah. Um, Cool. So next question is, how much should a person be consuming according to their goal? This in terms of calories. In terms of right. calories. There's a lot of information about this out there. Man. Um, <laughs> I want to hear you guys' take on what usually is your first go-to and what kind of adjustments you make according to your findings when you 
you know, tell your client how much to eat and stuff like that. I need an example because it really depends on where the clients, what's the background of the client. Hey, Nick, I want to work with you and I want to lose 10 pounds in uh, three months. And it, I'm not tracking. I'm not doing are anything. Are you male or female? How old? I am male. What's your profession? I am 35 years old and I work nine to five. I am a CEO. And are you overweight or are you? I'm overweight. overweight? I want to lose 10 pounds at least. I'll probably I, put I you at like three months. Okay. Well, I'll probably either start you at either very close to maintenance or a 10 to 15% deficit mm-hmm. in your caloric intake. Meaning if your uh, caloric expenditure daily is around 2000 calories, you would go 10 to 15% below that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll, you're probably under consuming protein, which is most case for most people. So I'd probably up your protein more. But that's not something we're going to touch on yet because that's more macronutrient oriented. So that's for later in the podcast. Um, And then over time, as you develop your musculature, I'm going to bring you back to maintenance. As you develop your muscles, since muscles obviously spend more calories than fat does, you want to kind of bring yourself higher and higher and higher until you get to a point where you can start a bulk. Again, I very rarely recommend more than 10% or 15% deviation from your maintenance Mm -hmm. unless you're like a competitive bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I really don't like deviating too much because I don't think there's a need for it. There's no time frame. You're right. not in a rush. Yeah. And every time you go either below 15% or above 15%, the rate at which you gain or lose, it's just too quick. Yeah. Most people can't keep up with it. Yeah. Uh, and, and also, the faster you lose, the less control you have of what yeah. you're losing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meaning that you might be losing muscle, muscle. mass as mm-hmm. well. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. So that's, that's my answer for you. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I like that. Cool. Yeah. All right. So if I get a new client, I'm going to keep this general. Um, I first want to see what they're doing. So I don't want to make any changes. When I first start helping somebody with nutrition, what I will do is I will just have them track for a week and I want to see those, I want to see that, um, that those notes of them tracking. I want to see what they're consuming, where they're getting their protein, where their protein is at. Um, I'm asking them about water intake. I want to see like what choices they're making, if they're snacking, what kind of snacks they're having, all of those things. So I want to take a look. I want to understand what I'm dealing with before I make any changes. And usually, like you said, the first change will be increasing protein intake. Um, and I do it slowly. So we, there's a lot of uh, information out there about how much protein you should be having uh, to increase muscle mass or, or, or to cut or whatever, you know, usually it's around like 0.8 to 1 gram of protein per pound of body weight, um, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, but most people are even below the 0.8. So let's say somebody's at half a gram per pound of body weight, I would have them come up to 0.6 um, uh, grams per pound. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah, I w- yeah, I basically, yeah. I just yeah. increase very slowly. So <laughs> yeah. like I don't, I don't initially go to the 0.8 to 1 per pound of, per gram per pound of body weight. Mm-hmm. I just want to increase set behaviors, things like that. And then I, and I've talked uh, to Nick about this before, I, I try to use the method of addition rather than subtraction. So in, if I see that they're, let's say, having a bunch of diet sodas or sodas, whatever, um, usually it's diet sodas, but sodas in, in general, and I don't want them to be having that much sodas or processed (laughs) drinks, I'll increase their water intake and I'll really emphasize that so that they can start making their own decisions about if I'm having to have a half gallon of water or a gallon of water, depending on how much 
water I, I, I give them, um, then they're not going to be able to fit all of those sodas. And same thing with the protein intake. Increasing protein intake will satiate the person more, which will cost them to probably eat less calories and things like that. I also like to take a look at how much they're eating because I find a lot, especially with females, that they're under eating severely. So mm -hmm. maybe cutting or going in a caloric deficit might not be the first thing that I suggest. And I might want them to actually increase their caloric intake so that we can cut from a higher place. And I think we'll touch on this a little bit more afterwards because I just wanted to yeah. give a, a general answer yeah. and I want to hear what was I think it's very deficit. rare that you start someone on a deficit. Yeah. Very, very rarely yeah. has yeah. it happened. Yeah. It's just people that have been training already. Exactly. It's really hard to cut from nothing. Mm -hmm. You need to and create that's like a baseline. The case because people come to you cushion. and they've been dieting forever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so nine out of ten people I've seen that they are under eating, even a, a guy and, and and women, especially if they're beginners, if they don't, they're just getting into this whole journey of, of working out and trying to get serious about it. I find that most people are under eating, so I do basically kind of like the same thing that <laughs> that um, Andres Andres does. I let the person track for a whole week. So I can see how many grams of protein, carbs, fats they're eating, uh, how much water they're intaking. So basically all those things that we can quantify. At the end of the week, I take those numbers and I average them out. And I show them where they're at and the goal that they should be striving for. Mm -hmm. And so typically, like you guys said, both of you guys said that people usually under eat in protein. They most likely overeat in carbs oh, and, and fats. And, fats, yeah. and so and basically... And, and alcohol. So basically we're trying to change those <coughs> habits. We're trying to kind of like reverse the table because it's like, imagine like carbs and, and carbs and fats are here and protein is here. You're trying to go more like this. But we don't do it right away. We start gradually, like uh, Andre said. Why? Mo most of the time, if you've never gone used to, well, we all have gone through this, yeah. that when we started, because we, we, we probably all went from zero to 100. That's, oh, absolutely. And that's that's me. I go from zero to 100. Either I'm either all in or nothing. We're also super passionate yeah. trainers, and like 90% so, of yeah. people are not passionate like, trainers. Yeah. As yeah. Like I'm going to do this 100% every yeah. single day. Yeah. And even me. Even me, sometimes I can't I can't do that. Like, I'll fall off. I fall off, just like everybody does. Yeah. So for me, when I started training myself, working out, and I read that I needed to eat 1.5 grams of protein <laughs> per pound of body weight, I was like, bet, that's what, that's what we're, we're doing. Do. That's what <laughs> we're doing. And so I was basically choking myself mm -hmm. like on, mm -hmm. with meat and protein. Like it was so hard. It was so, yeah, yeah I w it was so hard. Like, and, and I had to use more protein shakes than usual. Why? Because it was, it's so hard to eat a six ounce chicken with rice. Eight times a day. Yeah, like, <laughs> and, th and then they're telling you back in the day in those magazines, like, oh, you gotta eat four to six times a day. Yeah. So now you're eating like three servings of chicken that each are six uh, ounces, yeah. plus eggs, plus egg whites, plus oatmeal, and you're like choking yourself when you're eating. And protein is super satiating. And protein is super so. satiating. Like, I'm full, but I'm still pushing through. And two, three hours later, gotta do it again. I'm not even hungry, but I need to get my protein intake. It was a good job. So I'm just like pushing in that protein again and again and yeah. again. It got easier, okay? So little by little, you, you, you start getting more hungry. You start developing more muscle mass. So then all of a sudden, like eating the amount of protein is pretty easy. But back to the client, that's why Andres and, and, and Nick and I, we recommend starting slow. 
we don't want you guys to experience what we experience. That's why we're coaches because we experience these things and then we try to make the experience more uh, smooth smooth for yeah. for my clients. We're not trying to throw them into the lions then like we threw ourselves into exactly. the lions. We then. made the mistakes. You guys don't have to make right. the mistakes. Correct. Right. That's what you pay us for. Exactly. Yep. To make the mistakes for you. Mm-hmm. So yes, then it's just creating habits from there. It's uh, upping the protein intake, uh, adding more vegetables, more fiber into your diet, more nutritious foods, because most people eat foods that are empty calories, which is something that we're going to discuss later in the podcast. Uh, most people are not really giving themselves vitamins and minerals. They're mm-hmm. just like eating whatever. What they want. What, what they, they want. crave. Yeah, what they crave. And usually, um, and I'm sure we'll touch more on this too, but usually if you're eating a lot of processed foods, and we'll touch on what processed foods are, mm-hmm. um, you want to eat more of that. So, right. And I think it's a good place to actually yeah. touch on processed foods. So um, that's another thing that I, uh, the next part, like after I increase protein, um, that I'll usually try to, uh, and, and after water, um, I'll usually try to transition people away from processed foods and more into the whole food uh, realm of like, where are you getting your protein from? Is it like you're saying, whenever we read, you know, the 1.5 grams per pound of body weight, <laughs> Sometimes there's two. no way. I, yeah, I, I, I exactly. once tried that too. I, I, there was I a point where I was at 220 grams of protein per day when I was weighing 160 pounds. And to, if, if you've ever had 220 <laughs> grams of protein in a day, you know how difficult yeah. that is. And yeah. you can, and it's, I mean, you could, but <laughs> it's going to be very difficult to get all of that from Whole Foods, like mm. you were saying. You I know? don't, uh, I don't think I got that phase of, of fitness in my when I was starting out. And I, yeah. you, you, you guys are. You got you. You entered into the, <laughs> the golden age of information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when I started. There was no, yeah. there was YouTube, but Freaking it wasn't. There wasn't like no YouTube fitness back in the day. There was no Instagram. There was no TikTok, obviously. Um, it was all just magazines, magazines of of bodybuilders, mm-hmm. yeah. jacked on steroids, and they were the ones giving the advice. And so you have to take that advice as the only thing that you knew. So we had to go through to the extreme because the bodybuilders are extreme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. I to give you a, a little timeline for those of you who know. When I started my journey, or like when I started working out, I was taking the original formula of C4. <laughs> so, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a pre-workout for those of you. I only know the original. F- the original formula ended up getting banned because of how strong that was. So there was just a lot of information that was just like super extreme. Super extreme. And way, 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 way off. That's probably why the general population that's more let's just say older nowadays, like they're in their 50s and 60s, they tend to see people that train as like these crazy mm-hmm. juiced up meatheads. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, because that's how it started. Yeah. That's how it started. So, what was it that we um, just touched on? Um, well, how many calories you should be consuming? That okay. That's where we stopped. Yeah. yeah. Or I guess how you, how you should track it, at least. Mm-hmm. Right. So, processed foods and whole foods. Whole foods are going to be those that usually don't come super packaged and it's like so the difference between a steak and bacon or well that's not, not a steak like well, pork chop yeah, and, and bacon saying, it's like two different or animals. like a potato chip and, <coughs> uh, potato. and a potato right so like a potato chip is going to be really processed and I, lo- I like using the potato chip example because I could sit down going back to the whole satiation thing uh, processed foods are going to be designed to override the satiation mechanism so that you want more even whenever you are full. Is that what they're designed to do? 
Well, definitely because they want you to have more, to of, sell it, more. more of it. And yeah, yeah, so they, it's a business. It becomes a business. It, you know, the, the earth and, and cows don't have a business, yeah. but humans definitely have a business. So um, I could sit down and eat a large bag of potato chips easily in one sitting. If you look at the nutrition facts, there are about three to four potatoes in a large bag of potato chips, plus oil, plus salt and all of that so technically more calories than per three to potato. four potatoes i cannot sit down and eat three to four potatoes baked potatoes i couldn't it's do impossible. that possible i wouldn't be able to do that yeah because the food volume specifically the food volume and just because it, i i will actually get my satiation response and not Quicker. have something override it yeah a lot of the i i describe it to my clients foods that have high fiber content will get you full as opposed to the ones that don't have high fiber content. So what doesn't have fi high fiber content? Ice cream, potato chips, candies, chocolate bars. Things that are easy to like digest. Those are so easy. Like you you eat that and you can eat a thousand calories and you don't even feel it. So basically high glycemic carbs. Right. Yeah. So then all of a sudden, try to eat a thousand calories on potatoes. You won't. Not going to happen. You won't. You can probably do it throughout a the day. full day, but in a, in a sitting, mm -mm. it's impossible. It's impossible because you're going to be so full. So you get fuller, you end up eating less calories. And that right there already, like, it really helps with the calorie restriction when it comes to losing body fat mm -hmm. or losing body weight. Right. Um, and, and I think to, to, to finish that topic, uh, we should talk about how much of a – like, if you want to lose weight or if you want to build muscle, how much of a deficit and how much of a surplus is necessary – um, and to to do that. And before we do that, I think we should actually uh, describe what BMR is, basal metabolic rate or maintenance calories. So I'll do that and then I, I want you guys to take over. So whenever you are just living, like you're just going about your day, doing your regular activities, um, plus sustaining your own body's mechanisms and, and, and systems, it requires energy. And these energies we uh, measure them by calories. So that's the unit of energy that we use um, for the body uh, and also for, for food. That's how we, that's the unit that we convert from food to calories. So um, the amount of calories that it takes your body to just maintain itself, not lose any weight, not gain any weight, just maintain itself is that what people call basal metabolic rate or, or just your maintenance calories, right? So that's balance. I your think your isn't right your BMR just what you would expect without, without, without any yes, movement, you're right? Correct, yeah. You're correct. You're yeah. correct. And then the TDE, which is your total, your total daily, total daily expenditure. energy yeah. correct. That's yeah. what yeah. you yeah. do yeah. accounting yeah. for activities and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah, exactly. He, Nick is totally right. Um, yeah, BMR would be if you're just like sitting on the couch doing nothing. Um, but either way, so you the reason that you want to know that number is because then you want to make decisions from that number. If you want to lose weight, you got to be eating less than that number, less calories than that number. And if you want to build muscle, you could build muscle with maintenance. And sometimes if you're a beginner or very detrained, you could build muscle even in a deficit. But for most people, if your goal is to build muscle, you want to be in a slight surplus. So I think we should talk about how much of a surplus or how much of a deficit, depending on what your goals are, you should be in. Yeah, so it all depends on how fast you want to gain weight mm -hmm. or how slow you want to gain weight or how fast you want to lose weight, mm -hmm. how slow you want to gain weight, uh, mm -hmm. lose weight. So there's pros and cons to all these options, and that's something that you're going to have to talk to your coach about and discuss because your coach is going to have to educate you 
what are the pros and cons of, of all these. So if you're trying to lose weight and actually lose body fat, because we're always looking to lose body fat mm-hmm. and maintain or gain as much muscle uh, as possible mm-hmm. or as the person desires. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're looking to lose body fat, the the deficit is going to take into a uh, the, the amount of deficit calories you're going to have uh, might affect your, your muscle mass. Mm-hmm. So if you get too deep into a deficit, mm-hmm. you're going to end up losing weight faster, body fat faster, but also you're going to end up losing muscle mass. And you don't want that. Even though you're going to get to your goal body weight faster, you're also going to lose strength and you're also going to lose muscle mass and your body composition, which is the whole goal of this, is going to look worse than what you were expecting. And your performance might suffer. Yeah, and your performance might, might suffer. That is if you're playing sports or overall you just want to have better performance in the gym. Mm-hmm. So, And now if you do a not such a high calorie deficit, then it takes longer t- for you to reach your, your goal. It takes more patience, definitely, more consistency, but it'll be much worth it because now you actually have a chance of gaining a little bit of muscle mass if you are a beginner or someone that hasn't trained in a long time, mm-hmm. along with getting rid of that, that, that body fat that we're trying to get rid of. Mm-hmm. It just takes a little bit more patience yeah. and vice and versa. It also is more sustainable in terms of like, is it something that you're doing f- because you have a wedding in three weeks or three months, sorry, or something like that? Or even be three weeks, but. Or is it something that you're doing for because you want to change your lifestyle? Mm-hmm. So, you know, like time frames matter. But even if you do have a wedding in, in three months, are you just going to drop your goals after that wedding? So I always say, like, you have to kind of play the long game, even if you have something coming up um, soon. Like, you have to kind of understand that, like, if, yeah, you, you want to get you look good for the wedding, but you also want to look good afterwards, I'm assuming. I mean, right. Most people would probably want to do that. Um, so, yes. So, Jose, I have a question for you. How much, if somebody is just starting to, you've, you've already gone through the process of increasing their calories and they want to start losing weight and they're not necessarily worried about any time frame. Ballpark, where how, how, how much do you start them off on a deficit? So they're already under maintenance calories. Uh-huh. Okay. So first we have to help people understand that this is a numbers game. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you want, when it comes to losing weight or gaining weight, it's a numbers game. It's a mathematical equation. So basically calories in, calories out. That's, again, I'm going to clarify. If you want to lose mm-hmm. or gain weight. Weight. Mm-hmm. Weight. weight, not health. Okay, we're not talking about you being healthy. Not even body composition, just weight. Just weight. Yeah, not health. I'm not talking about your bio, your your markers when you go get checked in the doctor if your cholesterol is good or your mm-hmm. blood pressure. I'm not talking about. That. I'm talking about health. I mean body, talk, weight. body weight. Body weight. Not health. How useful is that? Yeah. What? Just just care. Just looking at the weight. How useful is it? Yeah. We'll get to that. Okay. Um. So. Textbooks teaches us that one pound is 3,500 calories. On the fat. One pound of fat is 3,500 calories, right? Because muscle is more, right? Actually, I don't know. Muscle. I think muscle, I'm pretty sure muscle is more. I don't know, but yeah, no, I, I've heard that figure one, of, one of pound about one pound of One pound of body fat is 3,500 calories. Yeah, yeah. Right, so I'm just doing simple math. If you're, if you're trying to lose one pound of body fat per week, which is typically what we recommend so that it, it's, it's slow, but it's, 
is sustainable. Mm-hmm. You want to subtract 500 calories in the next seven days. Okay. So then you will get yourself in a 3,500 calorie deficit. Because which averages out divided by seven, right? Yeah. So it averages out to be 500 calories of deficit per day. That makes sense. Away which in from, a week would be 75. Right. So then if, you, if your maintenance is 2,000 calories, then you will be eating 1,500 calories to start losing one pound of body fat per week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did I miss anything? No. Yeah, you, you, you hit it on the, on the okay. money. So actually, I have, um, I have the same question for you. How, w- if you were to start somebody, let's say, and I'm going to make it more specific. Let's say that they are at 3,000 calories as a maintenance. Good they want to lose weight. Good for them. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. There's a lot of wiggle room. Yeah. yeah. Are they trained or are they detrained? Trained. Trained. You've been training them up to that number. If they are more performance-oriented, mm-hmm. I would probably put them maintenance or slightly above. If their goal is to still lose weight, like you're, like it was the example previously, mm-hmm. I would, like I told you before, I wouldn't go anything below fifteen percent deficit, mm-hmm. and just try to figure. And then I'll do the math to figure out how many weeks it would take to get them to a goal weight. But I don't think, like, unless it's a, again a bodybuilding show or a competition, which you need to have a certain weight by a certain time, I'm not adjusting that fifteen percent, just because then you start running into a lot of performance detriments mm-hmm. that. Are gonna they're they're not gonna be favorable for them to maintain the muscle mass that they could have maintained if they took it slower. Right. Yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. But I was uh, what I also want to say is that for the at least what happened to me anecdotal evidence for, for myself as well. Most people I think can get away with starting off just on maintenance, and with more protein, because the thermic effect of food is kind of in their favor whenever they eat more protein. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we'll we'll touch on that what the thermic effect of food is later. Mm-hmm. Um, but maintenance seems to work pretty well because it's, if you think about it, it's it's homeostasis. It's what your body, it's exactly what your body needs. Nothing mm-hmm. more, nothing less, enough for it to function. And uh, in the beginning, since it, obviously if the person's untrained or detrained, they're going to build muscle regardless. Yeah. It's just obviously the rate's going to be slower as if they were bulking, but I would also argue that they don't need to build muscle that fast, that quick right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I argue, I'm a big advocate for maintenance when you start. So, so what you're saying, and this is going to be groundbreaking, is that you can change your body composition while eating in maintenance? Yes. Yeah. People associate maintenance with like lack of change, but but not really. Yeah. But that that is if you never. Well, yeah. If yeah, if, yeah, you can yeah. still build muscle. Yeah, yeah. you yeah, can absolutely. Muscle. Yeah, but it doesn't work all the time. It doesn't work all the if time. If you've never done it and you do it for the first time, it works. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's either if you're if they, if untrained or detrained, which is ninety percent of the population. Also yeah. depends on your training program. Yeah. Because yeah. Well, if you're not progressively say, overloading, right. it's very unlikely. Right. And if you're not getting your actual protein that you need for the day, it's also very unlikely. Yeah. Now, once those boxes are checked, seems to me like that works pretty well mm-hmm. because it keeps them just enough satiated where they don't have to binge, but also, you know, not not the opposite either. They don't they don't feel like they're starved. That they're they're filling themselves up too much. Mm-hmm. Training goes well. It's it it seems like that's a pretty good medium for the majority of people, given everything else is performed correctly. Yeah. I would have given the same answer. If if they had just gone into maintenance, I would have kept them there. Yeah. But I thought the question was like they're ready to lose right now. Like as quickly like as, as possible? As quickly as possible. Then I then if if that's the question, then I guess it would depend on what how high their their maintenance is right now. Because if their maintenance is at two thousand calories, uh, I don't know about that, dude. <laughs> I don't know if I can feel comfortable putting someone at fifteen hundred calories a day and still giving them a hard workout. I've gotten women that are at 
thirteen, fourteen, fifteen hundred calories maintenance. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's like what are they like a hundred like short like a hundred pounds? No, if anything, overweight. Wow. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that you would try to bring up increase. their calories. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's the hardest to convince them because they're yeah. like, what do you mean? I'm going to gain weight? Oh, because then they look at the right. energy balance standpoint. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, I got to just cut my calories more, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, uh, and I think that that's something that we should uh, touch on that you can change your maintenance. Like how many calories you burn um, throughout your your It's your very day. fluid. It, it, very, very fluid. Yeah, all and, the time. And, and that's what we're referring to when we say that we rarely start people off on a deficit, that we want to build people up to a certain amount of calories. What we mean by that is that if I get a client that is eating very low and is not losing weight, meaning like let's say they're eating 1,500 calories and they're not losing weight, um, usually that happens when you've been dieting for a really long period of time. You do a ton of cardio. You're doing no weightlifting. Um, you, you, you do the, jo- the yo-yo dieting, so you go on a diet, you fall off, you go on a diet, you fall off, you go on a diet, you fall off. You end up making your, um, your metabolism very efficient. Mm-hmm. And that sounds good. Oh, I have an efficient metabolism? That's awesome. You do not want an efficient metabolism in today's world because having an efficient metabolism means that you do more work using less energy. Mm-hmm. And in today's world, with how much available food and, and, and not just available, but quantity of food we have, you want your body to be ineffective with its use of calories. You want your body to be using as many calories as it can just to do that movement. Whatever movement you do, you want your body to be expensive. You want your yeah. body to, to take up a lot of energy, to move, to, to, to do things, to, to survive. How do you do that? How do you make your body burn more calories? And there's a lot of ways that this yeah, can happen. So there's the there's a reverse. We're talking about nutrition. We're talking about the reverse dieting. I, I, I'm talking about everything. So, so how can you change your lifestyle? What things can you do to increase your total daily energy expenditure and your basal metabolic rate? Exercise. Yeah. Start lifting. <laughs> Start. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you're gonna have to spend energy for recovery. Yeah. You're gonna have to spend energy for your workout. You're gonna have to. Your nervous system is gonna spend more energy because it needs to recover itself as well. Your body's gonna get bigger. Mm-hmm. So you're going to spend more energy to do every single movement. It's like it exponentially builds on itself. And that combined with an, a slight increase in calories, letting your body know that it does not have to be frugal with those calories, that it can actually use those calories and not have to hold on to every single calorie that it can, that will increase your total da- daily energy expenditure. Of course, if you're more active, you're going to manually be burning more calories. But if you're building muscle and you are not just building muscle, but promoting the use of those extra calories to build a bigger engine for your body. So turning your body into a Mustang rather than turning your body into a Prius, you want your body to <laughs> take up a lot of gasoline to go 10 miles. Yeah. Um, so there that's go. a good analogy. Low MPGs, right? Exactly. This exactly. is very, This is very common. Very common. Back in the day when we used to work at F45, there was people that worked out twice a day at F45, yeah. six days a week. And they were like, Jose, I can't drop a pound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, do you know how much you're eating? Obviously, they wouldn't know. But the ones that I did find, find out what they were eating is they were eating nothing. Low, low, low. Low, like what Andres was, was alluding to, like 1,300, 1,400 calories per day. 
and these people were working out twice a day. Every day. That means that they were a Prius. Exactly. A Prius trying to go to 100 miles an hour. Exactly. They were a Prius, bro. Mm -hmm. And so I explained that what, you, what we've been explaining, like, hey, like, start increasing your calories a little bit. They'll get scared. They'll be yeah. like, oh, no, look, I'm going to get fat. It's right here. Yeah, it's all it's here, right here, psychological. And we all, all three of us know that that's not true. Once you start slowly increasing your calories, all of a sudden, like what Andres was explaining, your body just can expend more. You end up gaining muscle mass, losing body fat, which is what we're all looking for. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you to eat more so you can, who doesn't want to eat more? I'm giving you Come on. what you like, actually want. You, I'm giving you what you actually <laughs> want, what you're working out for. It's like for, getting rich. Most people, <laughs> yeah, because most people want to work out to lose body fat. So I'm telling you exactly what you need to do. But psychologically, you're getting yourself block, blocked off. There's this quote that we have up on our gym that I love. And it's like, when you're working hard and you don't get the results that you want, just try listening to what your coach told you to do the first time. <laughs> 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 to what your coach that's told you to do the first time. Because, that's great. Yep, yeah, that's it's true. great. It's true. No, and it, it, it happens a lot. I feel like people are very selective. Like, I'll listen to you with the things that I actually am willing to do. But if I'm not willing to do, I'm not going to listen. But I'm still going to complain whenever I don't get the results that I wanted. So I'm not trying to hate on anybody. But it is realistic. And it is something that is not the, your coach's fault. If you are not following what your coach is telling you to do, you should not go and complain when you don't get the results that you want because your coach is trying to help you out. I understand that it's very difficult. I understand that it's, it's hard to change your lifestyle, but if you're looking for the answers and you're getting the answers and you're saying, you know what, no, I'm not gonna do it, then the problem is not that it's not working, the program's not working, the nutrition's not working, it's that you're not following the steps and the simple steps that you need to follow to get the results that you want. 100%. So it's your fault. It is your fault. It's your fault. <laughs> yes. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to be so tough love about it, but yes, you need to you, you need to you need to check off of the boxes. If you're not checking off the boxes, then that's and it. yeah, just trust the coach. Yeah. And when you do everything that the that your coach told you, and then it doesn't succeed, we'll take accountability. Exactly. And if you don't trust your coach, ask them why. Mm -hmm. Tell them to take you through the steps of why they think that's going to work. Yeah. Just yeah. confront them about it. Or, or or ask yourself why don't you trust your coach. Maybe you need a new coach. Yeah. yeah. If you don't trust your coach, there. I mean, unless you have trust issues and things like that. But seems pretty common. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, next point that we're gonna talk about is protein myths. Um. Well, yeah, but I, I kind of want to right? before we even because uh, we we alluded to it very briefly. But how much protein? Ideally, again, oh we talked about increase how you should increase your protein intake when yeah. you're when you have not been tracking. But ideally, what you want to get up to, what should that number be? Around, if you ballpark it, because obviously it's Go different first. for everybody. <laughs> um, ideally, so I just always recommend. I don't know if this is I, I, ideal or the the right answer. I don't think there's really like a right <coughs> answer. I just want uh, my client to be able to maintain their performance and maintain the muscle mass that they gained. So, um, one gram per pound of body weight to 0 0.8, 0 0.8 to one gram per pound of body weight. Mm -hmm. uh, that is if they're already pretty lean, right? Because if mm -hmm. my client is still very overweight, let's say they're supposed to be um, in the 180s and they're weighing 220. And a little bit less. Yeah, uh, it'll be a little bit less. Um, I'm not looking for them to get 220 grams of protein. Mm -hmm. That's pretty difficult. Yeah. Uh, 
And let's say that client came down from 250 now, they're 220, they still have to lose more, it's still gonna be less, mm -hmm. because that less is still gonna be a lot. Yeah. So, Usually what I do is whenever my clients are above um, 28%, I go for kilograms. So one gram per kilogram. 28% of? Body fat. Of body fat. Mm -hmm. okay. If you're above 28% or somewhere in that ballpark, um, I'll go switch over to kilograms instead of pounds. Okay. So then it's less. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm uh, talking about like a guy or a, wom a woman? I mean, either one. Okay. Usually, I mean, around, around there. Well, around for 20% for a guy, it's pretty high. For a girl, it's, for okay. a girl, it's not that bad. But yeah, so let's say 30 for a girl, 28 for a so guy. So it's 0 0.8 kilograms instead of a 0 0.8 mm -hmm. grams. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. Yeah. Zero, yeah. So you're 0 0.8 to 1 per kilogram rather than per yeah. pound. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, so I agree. I agree with that. What do you think, Nick? I would say the leaner you are, the more protein I'm giving you. Mm -hmm. That too. Anywhere in between 0 0.8 to 1.2 grams mm -hmm. per pound of body weight. So if you're approaching the 8, 7% range, it's like up and up or you're going to start losing your muscle, bro. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. And if you're more on the overweight side, it's like yeah. you're, you're okay with you eating like 0 yeah. 0.8. And by the way, I think it's also important to say like um, below 10% body fat is not necessarily like the healthiest point for anybody to be in. Not year round, not all the time. Exactly, yeah. right, right. So I think a lot of people kind of think that the leaner you are, the, the healthier it is. But the the best for a male would be between like- 12-ish? Yeah, yeah, like I'd 10 to 12, maybe even a little higher. And yeah. for females, like 15 to 20 is a good, maybe I'd say even that's a little where, bit higher. Uh, that's where most athletes are, yeah. right? For yep. most sports, they're like around 12%. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. It's just people, they think, have that idea that that looks like a freaking like 7% body fat. Yeah. It's like, no, not really. No. Yeah. no. And that's, yeah, ha having a higher percentage body fat is extremely important for women. Mm -hmm. That like a lot of women want to be super, super lean. And that actually affects their menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. and, and hormones. So that's, and hormones. And that's not obviously good for you. So, yeah, adhering to those percentages, you know, the... 15, 20, 17, 22, whatever. Like, you're still going to look great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. I'd say around the 20s for women is usually yeah. like a healthy range. Yeah. yeah. And they have to understand. Some some of them want to get super low. And it's like, no, you have to understand that you, evolutionarily, you need to stay higher. Yeah. yeah. So that we can continue to survive as a species. If not, you cannot have babies. Exactly. Yeah. And there's so. also, I've, I've heard cases of some girls that they, they cut down to like a lot of, like a very low level of body fat, mm -hmm. uh, specifically for bodybuilding shows or not. And they never recover from it. Like their hormones like never yeah. come back to what they should. I had a function. I had a client like that. She was com she had been competing in uh, bikini competitions for two years, and for about since her first competition, she hadn't had her menstrual cycle. And so I didn't know that, actually. She and never told you. She never told me. Yeah. I didn't know that. Were you controlling her calories? And no, 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 no. She was uh, with another coach. Uh, then she hired me. And she just wanted to do uh, powerlifting because oh. she was oh. over, she was over yeah. it. She was over the whole bikini competitions. Yeah. And so obviously I gave her more calories because you know we wanted her to get as strong as as possible. And eight months later, her mom sends me a text message. She's like, "Hey, I want to let you know. Thank you so much for what you've done with my daughter. Um, my daughter." wasn't having her menstrual cycle for the past year and a half. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I, I could have messed her up and I didn't know that. But 
whatever whatever we were doing was working and now you know she actually has a she's actually married now and she has a daughter oh nice and so Look right. out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 i've heard cases that, that can even happen for guys too like guys that get their Absolutely. low body fat for such a long time and i mean i think the, the bodybuilding thing for women um i love powerlifting for women yeah much mm-hmm. more than bodybuilding because there's so many negative effects that and also the behavior like mental and physiological right, right. Both. the mental aspect of it is tough man yes it is you're comparing the, the whole sport is comparing yourselves to to how other people look not even yeah. how other people perform because performance is more objective right. you can you say can, i lift a pound more than you right but looks it's like looks it's so, so obje- subjective, subjective. There's so many that goes so much like that goes into. There's no right, right or wrong. Like there's no objective marker. And, and then again, the whole the, the way that you eat is is just to make yourself look a certain way, not to make yourself feel or or, or perform a certain way. So I just think that, in general, there's a lot of uh, negative um, negative things that can happen in bodybuilding. I started in bodybuilding myself. That's how I actually I'm not a bodybuilder by any means. Mm-hmm. I'm obviously not a bodybuilder. <laughs> not but saying, but I think. <laughs> I started there too. Yeah, because so yeah. that, that's what I that's what I wanted to do. I did a physique composi- competition, and I oh, learned nice. a lot. That's where I tracked the first time, and I learned a lot through tracking. Yeah, yeah. food, by the way, if anybody tracking food. Um, <laughs> uh, so, I, I yeah, I learned a lot, but I also learned a lot of what not to do. So so yeah, and and I, I wanted to move to before we move on to the next point, um, the touching on the total uh, protein consumption, how much you should have per meal doesn't i mean at least and i want to understand to know what you guys uh say Mm -hmm. there's a lot of information out there about how much you should be having per meal um and i've read some articles that'll say that you can only process 30 to 40 grams per say whatever what people don't realize i think and and i'm i want to know what you guys think about this is that just because a, a research article says that you can't process more than 30 grams pro- of protein in an hour doesn't mean that your body's just going to get rid of the rest of those grams if you eat more than that. It just takes a little bit longer to process it. Your body will store it until it can process it. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, it matters more if you're hitting. Mm-hmm. This is actually one of the other questions that the person that I talked about was asking me. At the end of the day, it matters more if you're hitting your protein intake total rather than how many grams of protein you're having per meal. Mm -hmm. Now, what I will add to that is I think it matters more how it makes you feel. Mm -hmm. So if too much protein in a meal makes you feel bloated and it affects your digestion and things like that, then maybe you want to have more meals in the day um, and, and less protein per meal. But if you don't have any issues with digestion from protein intake, it's fine to have 50 grams of protein in a meal. You, you will process that and your body will use it. Yeah. At least that's, I mean, in my experience, I feel like that's pretty. No, yeah, definitely. This all is very dependent on the client. Like you said, if the person is having stomach issues with having two or three meals and they're trying to get to that protein requirement that, you know, they, they should be getting into, they should eat more. Mm-hmm. So that it could be more of an easier process. Mm-hmm. More times, uh, you're saying. More times, they yeah, split more it times. Yeah, split it around. So like three, three times, maybe four or five times mm-hmm. a day. And like you said, there's some people that can actually handle. I have clients that eat two times a day mm-hmm. and they hit their protein requirement. Yep. I don't know how they do it. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I I make it easier on myself. Damn. I, I try to spread it evenly through my meals. I'm I'm like that. I'm yeah. more, I'm so like yeah. easy. It's, yeah. It's, I'm just so like always by the book with things that I just divide it. Yeah. And I actually count every single day, mm-hmm. even when I cheat. 
I'm that weird guy that will take the scale to the to yeah. the restaurant. I have been that. I I've been there. I don't yeah. give a crap about what people are looking or if I'm weird. I don't. I don't care. Yeah. I. It's my goals. It's my body. It's what I'm trying to achieve. I feel like I'm in control. I feel like I'm. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Plus, I'm setting an example for my clients. I'm not making any kind of excuses to for anybody. Exactly. So, that's me. I divide it in. I eat four meals a day, and I divide it by four. Mm -hmm. So if I'm eating 200 calories, I'm dividing that by four, and that's gonna give grams. me. Pretty simple. Yeah, I think it matters, but a lot less than people think it does. Mm -hmm. Of course, That's it does. It. And yeah. I, yeah, and, and again, we're talking about like ninety nine percent of the a population. lot less than what people right. think it does. It's like you really, I think it really only does matter if you're again a very high level trainee that has really that is really trying to get that one percent competitive edge to step on a, uh, a, pla a platform or a, a bodybuilding show and compete. Mm -hmm. Right. If not, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Make sure you're just getting your in daily intake. Yeah. Simple. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, I'm going to ask you guys the question that this person asked me specifically. So he, the question was, <coughs> and this is the way that he posted, that he has, he snacks a lot. And he has a lot of processed protein in order to reach his protein intake. Um, and his question was, what should I do? Because he was kind of saying that like he has smaller meals and, and he, he sticks to that 30 to 40 grams of protein per meal. But he he doesn't have time. He doesn't have, you know, the time to eat as many whole food meals because he works. Um, so he ends up eating protein bars, protein shakes, and and whatnot. So, I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I uh, so I'm what I told him, sure. what I told him was, if it's a question of consistency, like if you're gonna tell me, is it better to hit my protein intake consistently? even if I'm getting some processed foods in there or only get whole foods, but not hit my protein intake consistently. My answer to him was, I think you would get more benefits from hitting your protein intake consistently than you would get detriments from having a processed right. food, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So I think that the, the benefits from hitting your protein intake outweigh the, the detriments of, of what you might be having with your processed foods. And, and then to follow that up, I also told them that what I tell my clients is that it's not so much about what you should be avoiding as much as what you should be having. Mm -hmm. So making sure that you're obviously hitting your macros, but apart from that, having vegetables, water, fruits, so basically vitamins and minerals, okay? Making sure that you're getting your nutrition. And then maybe if you have a pizza on top of that, it's not going to be super right. detri detrimental. So I agree with everything you said. But it comes to a point where you can't stay stuck with doing the same things and being lazy. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's okay if you're starting out with your journey and you're trying to hit your protein and you have to get extra protein bars or get extra protein shakes to hit your protein. That's okay in the beginning because you're trying to get into that rhythm of meeting that requirement. But... Protein bars and protein shakes do not have vitamins and minerals. They just have protein. And sugar. And sugar, and, and they have a lot of processed thi uh, 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 things mm -hmm. inside. And stuff. So eventually, you're going to have to slowly move into getting the whole foods so that you can get those vitamins and minerals and you can get the benefits of health. Are you saying because it's a trade-off, right? Because you can't. Because since you have a caloric cap, it's like it becomes like the, the amount where you spend your calories becomes like a resource. You have to either trade one for the other. 
not not only it's not just that it's just i'm talking about in terms of vitamins and minerals like yeah. you want to get the vitamins and minerals like meat chicken like meat poultry uh fish um all these these foods contain vitamins and minerals that protein Oils shakes yeah that protein need. shakes mm -hmm. that and protein bars do not have and they're essential vitamins and minerals for you to continue to build muscle mass and to perform the best you can perform in the gym and not only that to have the health that you need to have a high quality life mm -hmm. so like if you're stuck into doing the same thing from where you started nah man you gotta, you gotta move on you gotta get better yeah. and so like I'll accept it for a moment you just getting started with your journey mm -hmm. this is good you'll be meeting the requirements doing a great job let's move on to the next step mm -hmm. let's start eliminating those uh, protein bars and they start planning ahead planning ahead mm -hmm. which is a very important thing when it comes to getting your your which is what he told nutrition. me that you've uh, that you've told them yeah you need before. to plan ahead you cannot this is you cannot be lazy plan ahead of time and go ahead and start moving on to getting bigger and better things mm -hmm. like whole foods mm -hmm. so that de you can develop those habits right. that that was that's that's yeah. what I that I do with my clients every single process is like that start off slowly and then we make it harder and harder and harder and then the hard things become easy Mm -hmm. Just like the right. gym, you start slow. You don't start with two twenty-five on the bar. <laughs> step by step. Step by step. step learn by step. to crawl before you learn to walk yeah. before you learn to run. But it's, it's like, and we continue. We repeat the same thing. It's the psychological factors. Feeling lazy one day. Oh, I just, I just worked all day. I don't want to cook. Mm -hmm. Protein bar is easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you know? yeah. And and another thing that How I how much do you want it? That's the question. Exactly. Another thing that I suggested to him is also, which is what we just talked about, is during those two meals that you are having, increase your protein intake. Don't like just because, you know, like you people tell you to eat 30 to 40 grams. It, it, it's better to eat 50, maybe 60 grams of protein during those meals and have less protein bars, which because you're going to be reaching higher protein intakes uh, with those meals. And uh, and yeah, so that's that was my suggestion to him. Mm. And also, I want to talk about bioavailability, mm. which is something that's really important too. So, what bioavailability means is, if you ingest thirty grams of protein, how many of those grams are you truly processing? Mm. Like, are you truly absorbing and using? Um, and obviously, there's a ton of research, and you'll get completely, you know different things but what is clear is that whole foods have more bioavailability than processed foods meaning if you drink a protein shake you might not be able to digest that protein as well as you would be able to digest six ounces of chicken or, or a steak if you don't you know if red meat doesn't give you problems and things like that which by the way I have no problems with red meat love red meat same yep I eat it every day yep I eat it every day I have a service. I literally get meat and chicken <laughs> and and salmon and all of that s stuff delivered. Oh, dude, he made me some pork. What was it like last week? Yes. Damn. From that, from this, pr from yeah, this yeah. thing that I'm talking. Uh, butcher box. I'm just butcher gonna, box. Yeah, oh, I'm just I, I call heard of out. it. Yeah, I absolutely love butcher box. I've been buying butcher box for almost two, maybe even a little bit longer than two years now. Oh wow! Every single you're month, lawyer, lawyer client. Lord, I have free bacon for the rest of my life. <laughs> He wants because a code. A, yes. <laughs> if you want a code, I do have a ButcherBox code. And you, right now, if you use my ButcherBox code, you will get a, a free New York strip steak 
a free lobster and thirty dollars off your first box. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> and the free session with Arthur's Court. <laughs> and a free session. I think I'm gonna use it. <laughs> and it's super, super good quality. I'm not even. I'm not sponsored by them, guys. This is truly not yet. Not yet. Hopefully, hey, put your bucks. <laughs> um, so no, I'm not sponsored by them, but but I really, really, really like them. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's it's easy. I always have it there. I don't even have to go to the the, the supermarket to get my my, my protein. It's mm. always, um, I, I do freeze it, you know. But it's there. It's there. Yeah. Um. So super good. Um. So bioavailability. Bioavailability. So yes, if you eat whole foods, you will be able to get more out of the nutrients that the whole foods has have than if you were to eat something processed. 100%. Agreed. Protein myths. Protein myths. I think, we, I think I touched on the one that I wanted to touch on when I wrote that, which was the, the 30 grams of protein per, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And also, but I think another important one, and I want you guys to touch on this, is the anabolic window, the protein intake window after you work out. How true is that? Well, according to studies, it's not true. The uh, data suggests. The data suggests it's it not, true. not true. But I did believe in it. My first, like, I don't know, probably like five well, years. Well, that's what the body believes. I think a lot of people still believe Five it. years of working yeah. out. Yeah. Well, you see people still bringing their protein shake to the gym and, like, yeah, chugging you, like right they, they, they literally get off their last set of curls and they sprint to the locker room. <laughs> they do, I'm going to miss it, man. I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> they're literally putting their, like, trembling. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> They might be trembling for other stuff too, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's something I, that's marketed a lot. That's not true. I wanna, I wanna give up my uh, my experience. Uh, one, back in the day, <laughs> like I told you guys, I'm going, I'm zero to a hundred, and so I'm very disciplined with all the things that I do. And so I took the 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 thirty to ninety minute anabolic, anabolic window, window. Mm-hmm. serious. So. It was one day that I was uh, I worked out on a Sunday, and then I couldn't get home to to change. I had to go to church to meet my parents. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot already feel the stress. <laughs> so I'm flying to get to church, and um, I asked my mom. Like I was I was still in high school. I was like, I was like, mom, bring the protein shake to the <laughs> to the church. Cause I need to drink my protein shake after my workout, <laughs> and she was like, she was like, yeah, sweetie, no, yeah, no, no problem, whatever. I get to the church, she forgot. She forgot. Oh, <laughs> I can't go to church. I'm sorry, guys. I was yeah, that was me. I got so mad, and in church, in the middle of mass, I was like, mom, I'm leaving. I need to get my protein shake right now. So important. <laughs> it was so important, and I literally left mass and. Just Drove really fast home and drank my protein shake. And went back with to with seven minutes to spare of my ninety minute window. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, woo! So that was close. Whoa, that was close. I didn't I, lose my games. I think I think that's so funny to me because I relate to it so much. <laughs> and uh, I want to say this: I I still have a protein shake most days after my workout, but not because of the anabolic window. Because of what we were already talking about. It's because of how hard it is to hit the protein intake. But mm-hmm. I still wait a little bit. Because what I noticed also, and this happens to a lot of people, is that if you drink a protein shake too soon after your workout, your digestion gets messed up. 
Well, it's because your blood is all in your muscles still, yeah? Right. Yeah. It's it, Yeah, your, your sympathetic ner- nervous system. If you go to your sympathetic nervous system, your blood flow is going to go away from your organs that are in your digestive system, and it's going to go to your skeletal muscle. Mm-hmm. And it takes some time to switch that back over. Yeah. So for most people, it's actually not necessarily beneficial to drink a protein shake too soon after your workout. But having said that, whenever I get home, I'll give it a little bit of time. And I'm usually not hungry because of the same reason. Um, So I'll drink a protein shake uh, usually like 45 minutes after my workout Mm -hmm. only because it just gives me more time. And usually if I drink a protein shake, like I'm not I'm I'm hungry pretty soon after a protein shake. It doesn't doesn't fill me up very much. Um, So only as a tool to use my time wisely to hit my protein intake, but no other reason why I do that. Yeah, I I eat right after like 30 minutes to 45 minutes after my workout. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what I do. Yeah. You know, I haven't had a protein shake in two years. You've told me that, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm impressed. Yep. I sometimes put protein on my oatmeal yeah. just to make it taste better. I like uh, Legion. I haven't tried it. It's really good. Yeah, it's uh, it's natural, you know, no no fake stuff, no blends, no proprietary blend stuff. Probably doesn't taste like anything. Yeah. It's like cardboard. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's what's up, man. That's when you know it's good. <laughs> Yep. Tastes like bird it's food. Uh, You're yep. on the right track. There you go. Oh, I got another story about protein myths, how it messes up your kidneys. Oh, I was going to bring that up, man. Yep. So I don't know how much you guys know about this, but I don't know anything, but I've heard of it. I swear what I'm about to tell you guys is 100% true. I don't lie. <laughs> the only question that I asked in school, because I went to school for nutrition, the only question that I asked was that one of protein. Because the teacher was discussing... Um, that oh she she went at us like the bodybuilders of the oh class God. so let me let me give you some context so in when i went to school for nutrition it was basically all women in the class and four dudes it's not all a bad four thing. Of, all four of us were trainers all four of us we all worked out all the time every single class that i had a, a dude he was a and trainer the girls he worked out i mean Eh. Yeah, girls worked out, but like it wasn't. Mm. But the nutrition major is mostly women. Yeah, same and thing so for PTA. Oh yeah, actually PTA used to be AP, um, WPTA, so like oh, yeah. the, the association it used to be women's because it, it started in uh, I think one of the world wars. I forget okay. physical therapy profession. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, so it was women going to, yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of women in that. So the teacher was discussing. She just went at us like we didn't. She was like, oh, and by the way. You bodybuilders <laughs> that are eating 0.8 to 2 grams of, of, of protein per pound of body weight, you guys are all going to mess up your kidneys. And I, me being me, I raise my hand, and I'm like, there's actual evidence that suggests that there's that's not true, that you can actually eat that amount of protein if you don't have any kind of problems with your kidneys already. And she's like, I read. 50 articles a week so i pretty much read them all and that is not true i'm like oh i mean which ones have you read and she like cited all these studies obviously i hadn't i'm a college student i hadn't read 50 articles at that point in mm-hmm. my life uh not from pubmed and not from you know these journals and stuff like that so she made me feel like crap basically um and the whole class kind of like laughed from that moment on I never asked a question in, in school. From that moment on, I got turned off from, from nutrition because this lady was saying that all of us need 0.4 to 0.6 grams of protein. All of us. doesn't matter if you weigh 
200 pounds doesn't matter if you weigh 100 all of us need that amount yeah like and i was like but what about athletes what about you know bodybuilders like they need more to recover she was like nope nope they're all messing up their kidneys nope 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 and everybody obviously was believing her because she's a you know she's a doctorate of nutrition nutritional science so what the heck do i know a little college kid i just got it right. started last time i asked a question from then on i just went to school i was like you know what i'm just gonna pass my tests and erase all this information from my memory because i have no respect for this stuff yeah so yeah. i think um that happens a lot in curriculums and i I, I feel very similar with the physical therapy curriculum. And I think that it's because in order for something to, like for new research to reach a curriculum, it has to be like tried and tested for a while mm -hmm. before it like becomes part of the like academic curriculum at a university or at a college or something like that. Because there's a lot of things that I, I just went to physical therapy school, you know, since two years ago, and they're still teaching some things that, I'm, that are like clearly outdated. Yeah. So yes, um, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that that happens a lot in, in, in healthcare. Still the case, by the way. Like, I'm in college now, and it's... Yeah, I'm sure. Still the case. I'm sure. Yeah. A lot of stuff that's yeah. from, and like, 2010. And when, um, when you look at nutrition research, I think it's kind of important to, to talk about this, that, first of all, it's very difficult to do accurate nutrition research. Because in order for you to do accurate nutrition research, you would need to get a group of people, put them in a lab, keep them in a lab, control all variables of what they're consuming. And that just, first of all, the funds for that would be crazy and mm -hmm. it just does not happen. Um, so usually what nutrition research entails is survey and observational research. So it's asking people what they're eating and then taking health markers. And they could lie. And they could lie. And also the people that you're asking are not people that are eating well. So if you're doing a research about protein I and mean, about red meat, then red meat gets categorized under burgers or red meat, bacon, you know, bacon's not red meat, but burgers, you know, all of this pros highly processed foods are considered red meat. Mm -hmm. So then now we're not separating what is the source. So to your point about the kidneys, I could say that the only people that were eating 0.8 to 2 grams of protein during that time were bodybuilders that probably were doing a lot of other stuff that could have messed up their kidneys. Right. So maybe that research was showing that their kidneys were being messed up, but how do you know it was the protein? Yeah. How do you know it was the protein intake and not everything else that this field of bodybuilding, you know, is, is very extreme with right. supplements, mm -hmm. you know? And we know what supplements we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. 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 So all of those things, PEDs, are going to mess up your kidneys a lot more, especially if they're orally taken. Taken, yeah. Um, and, and, and during that time, there were a lot of things that were coming out, uh, pro-hormones, which are just steroids, mm -hmm. um, that were oral and, and consumed, and absolutely. That would make way more sense than your protein intake affecting your kidneys. So understanding how to read research, I think. It's the really old important. age debate of correlation versus causation. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's where most people get most of their nutrition information mm -hmm. messed up, I think. Yeah. And then you get people like, and then you get stuff like Game Changers, which capitalizes on it. Yep. Yeah. Netflix is yep. not a research source. <laughs> a documentary is not a research source. Sorry to tell you it's guys. It's a propaganda. It's a propaganda. Yeah. Well, then should we talk about that? The fat diets? Mm -hmm. yeah. I want to talk about supplementation real quick. We're going to touch on this really quickly. The only supplements that I ever... Um, <coughs> suggest my clients to take um, is creatine 
And if they're having a really hard time reaching their protein intake, I will tell them to buy some protein. That's it. Agreed. No BCAAs. No. <laughs> no collagen. None of that stuff. And by the way, creatine monohydrate. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's touch on that then. Because I'm pretty sure people, now that you said that, I'm pretty sure people are going to be like, what? Really? Why not BCAAs? Why not collagen? Especially for women. Women mm-hmm. are notorious for buying collagen um, mm-hmm. products. Products. Yeah. So, like, why not BCAAs? Well, for us, if you're already getting your protein requirement, if you're hitting those 0.8 to 1 gram a pound mm-hmm. per pound of body weight, you don't need any more BCAAs. Right. Why? Because protein is made of BCAAs. BCAAs. Yeah. Okay? It's branched chain amino acids. The building blocks of Those are the building blocks of the protein molecule. Yeah. yeah. So one gram of protein will have more BCAAs than one gram of BCAAs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that's for the BCAAs. And collagen, I mean, when it comes to collagen, like, you can eat foods that contain collagen. And yeah. get nutrients you know. from them as well. Yeah. And what's funny is one of those is red meat. <laughs> and people are all avoiding red meat yeah. nowadays. And thanks to those documentaries from, from Netflix. Yes. Tim James will name drop. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that since we just touched on research, uh, we should touch on why some research shows that BCAAs do work. If you have an individual that is under-consuming protein and you give them BCAAs, the BCAAs will improve their performance and how they feel and stuff mm-hmm. like that because they're lacking. you're lacking protein. So, yes, since most people are lacking protein, if you do a observational or, or research or a survey study of people that are under eating protein and you give them BCAAs, they will increase, you know, whatever health markers, pro, uh, performance, whatever. Um, first of all, protein is cheaper than BCAAs. So that's number one reason why you should just go for protein instead of buying your, your BCAAs. Um, and it's like a more bioavailable. More, more bioavailable. Exactly. That was what I, that's what I was going to say. Exactly. So there you go. And same thing for collagen. So there are, there's research that says that increasing the co- your collagen will give you all these skin benefits, blah, 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 all this stuff. I will argue the same thing. Increasing your protein will do the exact same thing that increasing your protein will if you are somebody that is under eating protein. Eat more steak. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> eat more steak. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So in... Also, to touch on, on I want to touch a little bit on the on the red meat, just for like one thing, just to clarify. Mm-hmm. Like, red meat is, gets demonized because of what Andre says. The correlations. The correlations, but it's not the causations. Because if you are a healthy body weight and you're consuming red meat and you're consuming the right amount of fiber, you're consuming the right, the right amount of water, you're exercising, red meat is not going to cause any problems in your in your in your health. Quite the contrary, red meat contains vitamins and minerals that other foods do not contain. Among those is zinc, magnesium, B vitamins like B12, B6. Uh, it contains creatine, not as much as you know the Five actual grams, supplement, yeah. but it, it does contain creatine. Mm-hmm. And iron, for women, iron is crucial. Why? Because when they're in the menstrual cycle, they're losing a, a lot, lot of, of it. So if you actually want your menstrual cycle to feel less painful, Get some red meat, up you know, regulate up your like bring up your iron levels, and you're gonna see that you're gonna feel much better when you go through that, through those you know, little issues that you go through every single month. Yeah. 
And so, and you're gonna feel more energetic because sometimes they lose a lot of energy. Why? Because you're just losing a lot of vitamins and minerals, especially the iron. So, yeah. consume a little bit of red meat when you're going through your menstrual cycle. You're gonna feel much better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all I want to say about yeah. red meat. It's it's not as bad as steamed. Yes, it's actually, really yes. good for you. Yeah, yeah, it gets um, it gets just bunched up yeah. with with a bunch of s- processed foods right. that you know, mess up whatever the articles are saying. But, um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think that if you don't, and there will be some people that do have issues with red meat, but if you're not that person, then by all means, right. go for it. Right, right. Um, if anything, there are some people that have autoimmune issues that the one thing they should, that should be having is red meat. Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah him and his daughter have an autoimmune disease. They mm-hmm. both solved that problem by having a literally all meat diet. Yep. Not that I, not that that should be what mm-hmm. you're doing, it just worked for them. But that's for yeah. their case because yeah. of their, right. their case. Because of their autoimmune yeah, disease, correct. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I think we should say at this point, if you do have uh, an issue like an autoimmune issue or, or something a little bit more intricate, a coach is not who should be um, helping you with your nutrition. It should mm-hmm. be somebody more qualified um, to do that, or like a dietitian or a nutritionist or, or right. somebody that actually, like maybe Jose would be somebody that would be able to help you. Yeah. Um, By the way, all the, th- all the things that we're saying is not. S- you should do it now. Like Andre said, you should hire someone to help you with that. Exactly. Yeah. It's yes. sh- we're just giving our, our opinion, not opinions, but also like the research of what is shown, mm-hmm. and so just informing you guys Correct. about this, exactly. this stuff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, fat well, diets. Yeah. Fat diets. Yes. Let's trigger people. Yes. <laughs> all right. What is your favorite fat diet? And uh, so why don't fat diets keto work or Let's, let's ask a better question. Um, why do, do they, fat what diets they work? Yeah, I was gonna yes. say. Fat yes. Works. Why do fat diets work? Yeah, I was gonna say there's pros, but there's cons. So, why do fat diet work? You adhere. You adhere to it. Simple. Simple. Um, Usually, fat diets um, take out a whole food group, so they limit you, and you will more likely eat less calories if you're limited into what you can and can't eat mm-hmm. right so if, for example if you let's pick one keto keto okay if you go keto you can't have carbs so now you're, you're just limited eliminated like 55 percent of your right. daily calories exactly so it's not because keto's Magical. magically burning your body fat which by the way you could absolutely gain body fat if you're eating keto Absolutely, you could gain body fat. Again, it comes down to caloric balance. So if you're eating more calories than what you're burning, no matter what fat diet you are choosing, it still comes down to are you eating more or less than what you're burning, period. That is it. So yeah. I, want, I want to give that number for people to really see it. Mm-hmm. So like if your maintenance is 3,000 calories and all of a sudden you switch to the keto diet, and you still eat 3,000 calories, you're still maintaining your body weight. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. though you eliminated carbs, and you st- you st- right. you're still maintaining. Yeah. Now, if you're eating 3,000 calories as your maintenance, and then you do keto, and now you eliminated all the carbs, you're eating the same proteins, the same fats, but you just took out all the carbs. So now you're eating 2,500 calories. Magical thing happens, right? Now, Whoa. all of a sudden, you lose body weight and body fat. Mm-hmm. But it's not because of keto. It's, it's because, because of you're eating deficit. less. It's because you're eating less calories. That's it. 
Apply the same thing to every other fat diet. Every single. So apply the same thing to the to the to the another fat diet, the intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. Same thing. You're Same now thing. limiting the times which where where you can eat. If you are only able to eat through eight hours of your day rather than twelve, then that's less calories that you're probably going to be getting in. However, you could still overeat during <coughs> those eight hours. Yep. So again, same thing comes same down thing. to the same um, exact thing. Um, Paleo, yeah. vegan, vegetarian, same yeah. thing. They just all give you some restriction. They give you some restriction on what to do. Um, what is not good about that is that it doesn't teach you about w- why why, mm-hmm. and, and what you should be having. It doesn't so give you the tools to control, to make it work for you. Exactly. It just like it puts a system and a frame onto you, which makes it simplistic, but doesn't make it, I guess, customizable. Mm-hmm. And, right. it, and it becomes a diet, which is in the name. And I, I don't even like the name diet because I want people to create better habits, yeah. create better behaviors when it comes to nutrition. And, and thinking about it that way makes more sense and is way more sustainable than trying to completely from one day to the other take out a complete a, a one food group or, or just um, limit the amount of time that you can eat from one day to the other. Now, another thing that I want to talk about when, when you brought up intermittent fasting and also keto, I want to talk about this, um, is the benefits that people claim that intermittent fasting has. Fasting does have benefits not if you do it every day. Most of the benefits of fasting, first of all, are whenever you're doing 24 hours or more of fasting. And you can't do that every day because then you would starve. Not, not eat. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, intermittent fasting loses those health benefits that people claim fasting has. And now, again, it just becomes, and I, and I like to change the name of it. It's not intermittent fasting. It's time-restricted eating. That's what it is. That's literally what it is. Period. Yeah. Um, I don't use the word diet anymore with my clients. I, like I, I just use Good. the word nutrition. Good. Because immediately when I say diet, it's I'm putting them in the same category as everything else. What I'm about to teach them is going to be in the same category as the keto and intermittent fasting. So I just call it nutrition. It's going to be yeah. Jose's diet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nutrition. Nourishment. I want to have nutrition. Jose's diet. Yeah. <laughs> nutrition. So that, that point of the intermittent fasting that you were saying, Andres, mm-hmm of the benefits Th- those benefits also have been shown that the people from intermittent fasting claim and keto claim also come from losing body fat and being at a normal body weight not being overweight mm-hmm. so that's where the magic comes when you start losing the body fat and you start exercising and you start doing your cardiovascular training and you start sleeping better and you're losing body weight, losing body fat. That's when all the health markers improve. All these health markers that the fasting and the keto diet claims that they, they, they do for you can be achieved with a normal, balanced diet as long as you are at a healthy body weight that you should be at and as long as you are continuing to exercise and improve your cardiovascular system. Absolutely. Absolutely. A little bit more simple than people think it is. Um... What are we doing? The worst fat diets? Oh, okay. So, cheat days. Cheat days? We haven't talked no, about no, no. that. But before we go there, I think we talked about all this already, the bulking and the yeah, cutting yeah, yeah. and all of that. Um, we did touch on why tracking is so important, but I mean, maybe we could, maybe a little bit more on, on why, because I think people are really resistant. Yeah, to, to they start think tracking. it's this so huge thing. Yeah. 
that it's like a, such a huge change and it can be but it's also mm-hmm. a skill it's a you skill. learn how to and do it better and i think also people I like as you were alluding that you that you you track and all of that and i think that that's that's um, important as a coach to to understand so that you can better communicate with your clients um tracking does not have to be forever and i think we talked about this in an earlier episode uh about when you should be tracking and when it might be acceptable to to just kind of intuitively eat now you should not try to do intuitive eating if you've never tracked before i was just thinking that right now (laughs) (laughs) whoa you know you know why i was thinking that because i hear these fitness influencers say this i hate this freaking sentence just do what you just listen to your body you know I just, I, ju- I just go have with 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 my body i'm just listening to my body listen to i'm like no no don't listen to your body <laughs> okay because your body right now wants an oreo <laughs> so so no yep. don't listen to your body but the thing is that these fitness influencers have tracked before mm-hmm. and so they understand that they sometimes need more carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. They understand they sometimes need more protein, more vegetables, because they, they know how it feels when you're having less when you're having more. And so if they're low energy, then they'll eat lo- lo- more carbohydrates. Or like if they see that they're not recovering from training, then they'll eat a little bit more protein. Like they they understand because they track. Right. But they're talking to the public. Right. And they're talking to the masses. And the masses have never tracked. Mm-mm. Most of them have never done it. And so now when you're telling the masses, just lis- I just listen to my body. I just listen to my body. And the master's going to be like, oh, perfect. I'll listen to my body. I need some alcohol today. <laughs> yeah. No, like, I hate that Cheesecake sentence. Factory. I hate, I hate it. hate it. Yeah. So what Jose is saying, and clarify me if I'm wrong, but in order to intuitively eat, you first need to develop good intuition. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Simple. Simple. Yeah. And how Simple. do you do that? By tracking. By tracking. By f- w- w- it doesn't even have to be by specifically tracking, but you need to understand nutrition. So, and the right. best way to do that is by tracking. Is by tracking. Yeah. That's what Nick said in the, uh, earlier. He was like, if you track, you get to learn about food. Mm-hmm. You get so to learn good. about what each is, and what they do, and how they help you. And yeah. and when you need more of what, when and why. Need, right. Or right. guess what? Go take a nutrition class. And then after that class, you're going to be like, I should probably track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what's going to happen. So, so that's why it's so important to track because you're going to learn, because you're going to set behaviors, because you're going to start realizing things without even ha- without even speaking to your coach. If you track for a week, you're going to be like, I did not know I was having six sodas every day. I did not know that I was having an entire thing of Oreos throughout my entire three days. You know, it kind of gets everything that you do, and it just boom, in front yeah, of you. sets it up in front of and you. And you're like, oh. oh. Shit, I shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. Some people are scared of knowing that reality. Yeah, I think that that's why social resistance. Yes, yes, yeah. But that's that's like I think that's like way deeper because people think about that stuff for like anything. People don't want to know the bad the stuff that they right. do. They're mm-hmm. scared of it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's good. Um, so yes, I, I do think that to uh, to finish this topic, I do think that everybody should track at some point in their lives. It doesn't have to be a super 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 long commitment, but it, it you like should definitely. Year? Six months. Six months. Yeah. I, w- I would say is a, is a good minimum to, yeah. to track for. Um, Ideally, in a phase of training in which you are eating more of, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So that you can learn about what nutrients, how nutrients make you feel, where you should be getting your nutrients from. You know, having different options uh, yeah. when you're trying to reach certain uh, intakes of of macros and, and micros. 
So all of that stuff is going to become way clearer if you track. And then, and only then, can you, and, and, and also once you've hit your goals. So if you're like trying to change your body composition, it's going to be a guessing game if you're not tracking. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, if you're trying to build muscle and if you're trying to lose body weight, body fat, and you're not tracking, you may succeed, but it will always be a guessing game. It is like throwing a dart at a, at a dartboard with a blindfold on. You might hit it. Great for you if you do. But odds are you're not. I also say the better the person's genetics are to build muscle and lose fat, the bigger the, the target is. Mm-hmm. So it may just work for you, but it may just be because your genetics are good for that. Yeah. Uh, if someone that has... Yep. Subpar genetics that you're gonna be in a huge room with a with a the, um, what's it called the sound like a echo no 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 dude the, the thing that you throw the arrow into <laughs> the board the target the yeah. target the target is like the this target. big as opposed yeah. to like this big yeah exactly so that's yeah so true because most of us when we started training we were listening to the people with the best genetics mm-hmm. because they're the ones that everyone basically the people that are most heard in the fitness industry are the ones with the greatest genetics. Why? Because they look impressive. Mm-hmm. You want to look like that. That's their business mm-hmm. goal. That's, 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 your he- that's your hero. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's your goal. But they've, I'm not saying that they had it easy, but they've had it easier yeah. than the people that don't have the best genetics. And so if that person that has the genetics is telling you what to do, when it was like easier for them to achieve that goal than the person that doesn't, you might end up having the wrong information for for yourself. Have it's you also heard? easier to market because yeah. it's like you just have to look at them. You don't right. have to listen to them right. speak. They don't mm-hmm. have to articulate ideas and, and thoughts. And right. They just kind of show up and take the shirt off. And look, yeah. this this is the you're reality sold. of this world. If you're lo- if you're beautiful, you're gonna be listened to more. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you're good looking, people are going to listen to you more. Irrespective yep. of gender, That's right? Huh? Irrespective of gender. Irrespective of the gender. Yep. Like one hundred. I'm sorry. This is the reality of the world. Yeah. That's yep. how it. That's how it works. Yeah. Um, oh, I was going to say something and I forgot, but, but yeah. Uh, oh, I, I remembered. Um, have you ever asked a person with huge calves what they do for calf training? <laughs> yes. And what's usually the answer? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. They do nothing. Exactly. They just, they I've just never trained calves before. Yeah. I just squat. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's so common. Nothing. And, and and I've always been trying to grow my calves, so I've asked quite a few people. <laughs> Bro, I've done protocols yeah. of my training that I can barely walk <laughs> for like three days. Like I'm going down the stairs, like I can barely flex my ankle and extend my ankle. Like nothing happens. Have you ever done calves and then got stuck in traffic on the way home, where you're like your foot is shaking <laughs> on the brake? <laughs> I probably that have. I just it. don't remember <laughs> that. But. Yeah. yeah, that's happened to me a few times. Do calves and then drive a manual? Yeah. Uh, uh, uphill in traffic. Dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would suck. Um, we already talked about being consistent, hitting plateaus. Are we doing cheat days? Yeah. And holiday okay. dinners? So, oh, definitely. Good timing because Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas are yes, all coming up. All coming up. So, what should you do? Should you not go to your Thanksgiving dinner with your family? Stay home eating chicken, broccoli, and rice. That's exactly what everybody should Watch do. Nobody Christmas should go movie. to a Thanksgiving dinner. Um, so, I think that having quality of life is super important. That's what we're doing this for. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You want to be happy and content. Um, having said that, you don't want to use it as an excuse to every single day have whatever you want, obviously. But 
Um, you also don't want to be neurotic. And I am neurotic. I've been neurotic, especially when I was competing about how, yeah, you were just talking about it, about how much, like, I would go, I, I would show up at Thanksgiving with my Tupperware and not eat any of the stuff that was there and just eat what I brought, which was probably chicken, rice, and broccoli. Right? So... If you're in a competition, it's the worst because people are just asking. Yes, all the time. Oh, you should have this, or or, or drink a drink a glass of wine. It's just like, one day. Just, just one just day. Just live your life. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you're having a comp, like if you're a bodybuilder and you're having a competition, obviously, like you might have to do that. However, for 99% of people, I think that the benefits that you're gonna get just from being with your family, enjoying your time on one day, just get back to your plan the next day. Enjoy your food. Don't, and maybe Jose will track it. He will take his scale to his Thanksgiving dinner. I, but I, I do. But you don't need to <laughs> but do I, that. I'll tell you what I do after, though. I'll tell you what I do after. But, yeah, go ahead. But, but you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. Go and just don't track that day. Just don't track that day and get back to, don't get emotional about what you're going to see on the scale the next day. Just get back to your plan. Don't even overcorrect. But then track next day. Track the next day, but don't overcorrect. You don't have to now Eat. decrease yeah. 500 calories from that from that next day just to make up for what you did before. Just get back to plan. That's back it. in the saddle. All right, now I'm going to tell you what I do. Oh, boy. Do it. <laughs> Disclaimer, this is not something that I recommend for people to do. This is just me. It works for me. Mm -hmm. And I like doing it. I have no problem with it. I still enjoy my life. I'm a happy person. I'm not lying to you. I really am. <laughs> this is what I do. I still track when I go to eat whatever I want to eat. Let's say Thanksgiving. I still track. Um, the next day, I subtract those calories from what I overate. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I just do the math. Yeah. And the Checks next out. Day, yeah. So like, let's say I'm supposed to be eating 2,000 calories, and then I go eat. Thanksgiving, I'm a, I ate 3,500, so that means I ate 1,500 calories more. Mm -hmm. I then, those extra 1,500 calories, I then subtracted uh, throughout the next few days. So, like, not the next day, right? Because, like, if not the next day, I'll just end up eating 500 calories. But the next few days, I divide that extra 1,500 calories by, let's say, three days, and I just take the, right. the number off. Yeah. So, so I end up eating less. You end up but I end up, up like mm -hmm. um, averaging, it out. averaging out. So what happens to me psychologically is like usually these things happen during the weekend. So what I do is I always do my body weight check-in every week on Thursdays. Mm -hmm. So Thursday and Friday I eat normal. Saturday and Sunday I stuff myself because I go out to eat with my girlfriend. I go out to eat with friends, family. We usually get things that we enjoy on the weekend. And then I'm so stuffed. <laughs> By Sunday, that I don't want to eat that much anymore. <laughs> and then the last three days before my check-in, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm eating like 1,600 calories mm -hmm. when, when my maintenance is 2,500, something yeah. right. like that. Right. So, so you take your average of your week. So, so over right. the week, you're still in maintenance. Right. 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 So I want to clarify for people at home because that makes absolute logical sense on paper. I think a lot of people would get really emotionally attached if they start tracking that way. Like whether you're trying to like, okay, what did I eat yesterday? And subtract and subtract and subtract and add or subtract. So what I recommend for most people is what I said. Like if you're going to go to Thanksgiving, just go to Thanksgiving. And if you're going to go and, and eat, eat whatever you're going to eat in Halloween, just eat whatever you're going to eat and get back to plan. If 
you are a person that has been tracking for a while, understands nutrition, does not get emotional about, and, and when I say emotional, it's just like when you get upset about what you see on the scale or, or, or if something stresses you out, if you're, you're not meeting it or meeting it and stuff like that. If you're somebody that can control that, then what Jose is doing can work for you. And, and it makes a lot of sense. But again, Jose is somebody that went to school for nutrition, has, has been, been a tracking coach. For I've a been while. tracking for over 10 years. Over 10 years, trains, yeah. you know, has probably trained hundreds if not thousands of, of, of clients over his, you know, span of, of, of his career, definitely hundreds. Um, so he, he understands what he's doing and knows what he's doing and, and, and can do that type of stuff. But for most people, just making it simpler is gonna be better, psychologically. Yeah. This is why I, since I said a disclaimer, disclaimer yes, this of course. I not recommend people to do yeah. this. It just works for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. We already talked about processed foods, all that, nourishment. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, and actually, before we talk about this one, um, and I'm right here, by the way, uh, before we talk about that one, I want to talk about cardio. Because most people, when they talk about body composition and losing weight, they they're gonna hop on the treadmill. They're gonna hop on the treadmill, right? Which is is definitely a tool. You know, manual calorie burn is is definitely can definitely be a tool for for weight loss. <coughs> um, but where does it come in? Like, how important is cardio for weight loss, and how much of it should you be doing, if any at all? And and and, and another question that I want answered. Can you lose weight without doing cardio? I'll give you my own anecdotal evidence. The leanest I've ever been, I never done cardio. Mm -hmm. The time that I got the leanest, I never did cardio. Mm -hmm. Never. I've seen studies before that the amount of calories that you burn during cardio in the treadmill, whatever it is, you proportionally don't lose them through your um, NEAT, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is just a measurement of movement of that you do subconsciously like when you're sitting down you're fidgeting your leg that that's wasting calories and you do that throughout the day with more or less steps that's non-exercise activity thermogenesis mm -hmm. every time let's say you lost 200 calories in cardio or you're going to move 200 calories less mm -hmm. subconsciously yeah I've, I've seen some stuff like that too um plus the treadmill doesn't know who you are yeah, that's another yeah, thing. Like, <laughs> and I've yeah. seen some people, when I used to work at Elite Fitness, I would see some people that would, like, uh, like especially, uh, I'm not even going to say. Um, I would <laughs> see some people that would put their weight on the treadmill to be, like, 300 pounds, so the treadmill would read that they're burning more calories. Because if you do that, if you put what you weigh, because some treadmills will ask you that, like, how much do you weigh? To try to make you will burn burned. more calories. Right. So they were just taking a picture to post it on social oh media. Oh, my God, dude. That they burned 1,500 calories in an hour. Which, by the way, you're not burning 1,500 calories in an hour. No. 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 It's, 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 it's not going to happen. We have to understand that these machines are theoretical. Mm -hmm. So, like, theoretically, if you ran at 6 miles an hour for 30 minutes, you will burn, let's say, 600 calories. But that's theoretical. That's not what will happen in your actual biology because your actual biology might be what we were discussing before. You might be a Prius. And so you might be running at six miles an hour for 30 minutes. The machine says you burn 600 calories, but in reality, you probably burn 200. The machine thinks you're a Mustang. Because you're mm -hmm. very, very efficient at not burning calories. Right. And, and also, 
uh, using cardio as a tool for weight loss, um, and I want to talk about the benefits of cardio after mm-hmm. we f- we're finished with, with this topic, but using cardio as a tool for weight loss is a losing game because the more cardio you do, the more efficient you become at doing whatever activity you choose because if you cho- switch between cardio activities, it, c- it, can, it can differ. But let's say the treadmill. So the more you use the treadmill, the more efficient you become at running in the treadmill, okay, or a bike or whatever, insert whatever piece of cardio equipment. Um, so if you go in, if you've never done, let's say, the assault bike, because we use the assault bike a lot. Um, if you've never used the assault bike and you go on it and you go on it for five minutes, let's say you burn, I don't know, 30 calories in those five minutes. The next time that you go on that assault bike, you might burn 29 and a half in those five minutes because your body, which is a good thing, this is why exercise works. Mm-hmm. It becomes more efficient at doing what you're doing. Your body doesn't want to spend more energy doing the things that you're doing often. It wants to find ways of doing those things without spending so much energy doing it. So the more cardio you do, if you're trying to lose weight, or the more weight you lose, the more cardio you will have to do. So you're, you're going to have to increase what you're doing mm-hmm. as you're losing weight. So then it, it gets to a point where like, if that's the tool that you're using for weight loss, you're going to have to be doing three hours of cardio a day if you want to continue losing weight. And I don't know about you, but I don't have time to do three hours of me cardio neither. a day. So now people are probably asking this question. So then why did it work for me when I did it? And the answer to that is because you weren't efficient mm-hmm. in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I, I'll give you the example. Um, swimming. I suck at swimming. So, like, when I swim, I've been starting to do that, like, here and there to, like, get some, some conditioning in. Because, mm-hmm. like, if I'm already good at running and I'm really good at the bike, I got to try something different novel. to, like, something novel. Yeah, something new so that I can burn more calories or just like learn a new skill and just become better at something else like i usually i like to try different things so i, I don't, I don't bore myself yeah, yeah it gets boring doing the same thing over and over so the first time that i swam i did eight laps which for the swimmers that are probably listening or that will ever listen to this podcast they're laughing at me right now like eight eight laps is the warm-up is not even their warm-up no 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 my, my dude like their 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 warm-up is a good like 20. Yeah, laps. I used to I used to swim twenty laps or more. I used to have like an hour of a warm up, probably right. because I used to spend like three hours in the pool per day. Um, so yeah, yeah. And I probably if I got in the pool right now, I'd die yeah. in two laps. So eight laps, it took me about twelve minutes. I could not swim one more lap. Mm-hmm. My heart rate was so high, my arms were falling off. Like I got off and I had the biggest pump. I wa- I was walking like if I, I was like jacked. I'm not, but you know, I'm jacked. <laughs> crazy stuff mm-hmm. okay month into swimming now i can swim a good 30 minutes no problem um, but that's because my body's getting more efficient at doing it and it's getting more efficient at not burning as much calories have you lost a ton of weight no there you go no i've improved my conditioning when i go play basketball i feel better mm-hmm. i can play longer games yeah. and i can play for a longer period of time but i haven't lost any body fat yeah so um because I'm in my maintenance calories. Right. right. So some of those benefits is why you should be doing cardio, not because you should want to be burning calories, but because and we've talked about this in another episode again, but having a more robust cardiovascular system, having a heart that has 
more efficiency to get more blood per stroke, mm -hmm. more volume of blood per stroke to your body, distribute nutrients, distribute oxygen, having your lungs have more capacity to distribute oxygen, you know, to your blood. And those are the benefits that cardiovascular training should give you. Cardiovascular training means heart and vessels, mm -hmm. not calories. And, uh, and another reason why you shouldn't use cardio as a tool for weight loss is because it's muscle sparing. Or actually, no, it's, uh, it's, it's degenerating. Other, right, so if you're, if, you have a, if you're somebody that has a, a decent amount of muscle and you wanna get into a cardio um, modality, like let's say you wanna run a marathon, and you start doing a bunch of cardio, muscle is very expensive and it's hard for your body to want to keep a, a lot of muscle mass if it's trying to be a as efficient as possible. As efficient as possible. Mm -hmm. So it will try to get rid of some of that muscle because muscle takes calories. If you have 200 pounds of muscle, it takes more calories to run a mile than if you have 150 pounds of muscle. 200 pounds of muscle would be a huge amount, by the way, but I just used easy numbers. Yeah, an easy example. Um, so yeah, you don't want to use that as a sole tool for weight loss because then you're also gonna, you know, lose other things that you don't want to that you don't want to lose. Um, yeah, and that's and why clients would, you know, when we used to work at forty five, it was like that. These people were at forty five workouts are tough, tough. Like, and some of them were doing two times a week, two times a day mm -hmm. for six days a week. They were just, they had great cardiovascular system. Like it, the, the classes helped them get to that level, but they were not losing any weight. Mm -hmm. You would see people that were overweight, but they were in really, really good shape. And it yeah. was funny because sometimes bodybuilders would show up to the class, <laughs> just jack dudes. And then we'll, we'll pair them with like, you know, like a normal looking person. And that person would just beat the crap out of them in the class and the bodybuilder or, or the bikini model will, will, will just about to throw up within the first round and they'll actually leave the class and mm -hmm. never come back. <laughs> Embarrassed. Yeah. Embarrassed. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So that's a great question. How should somebody train in the gym if they want to lose weight? As opposed to if they want to build muscle. We can make that yeah, but I mean, distinction, I guess. Yeah, as opposed to building muscle, but is that I even think the answer is kind of the same. Yeah, there's yeah. no difference. Yeah. I think that if you want to lose weight, again, to what we were talking about, you don't want to lose muscle, you want to lose body fat. So the mm, best way- Yeah, most likely. Right. Depending if you're not, unless you're well, like the, a, an athlete that has exactly. to unless make sometimes you, Yeah, sometimes, uh, if anything, uh, I know that there's uh, a certain uh, body, but Ben Pakulski, that he, he wanted to lose muscle because he was so big right. and he wanted to start getting into cardiovascular oh, activity. Yeah. So, which, so, yeah. Which is, so you guys know the reason why he wanted to do that is because being so big is actually not healthy either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like if you are. If you weigh a lot, whether it's with a lot of body fat or with a lot of muscle, that's a lot of work that your heart has to do to pump blood to all that muscle or around all that body fat. That's why bodybuilders keep so dying in their 50s. Right. So bodybuilders just, the hearts are working so hard to maintain that kind of muscle mass. So Ben Pakulski was like, I'm trying to be healthier. So I, I want to get rid of a lot of muscle mass so mm -hmm. that I can live a longer life. He's still huge, by the way. He's still huge, yeah. But... Yeah. You should see his well, pictures before. when he was before. Monster. Yeah. 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 So a lot of these retired bodybuilders, that's what they do now. Like they shrink up a little bit. Mm -hmm. They still look better than 99% of the population. Right. But 
they they want to live a healthier life because yeah. they know they know getting ba- that big cost right comes so, at a cost so to, to circle back around um cardio does not have to be part of a weight loss program it can be but i whenever i introduce cardio it's more so because of those benefits that we were talking about of cardiovascular health rather than just increasing the calorie burn that you're doing mm-hmm. so i want to make sure that you're having you know all of those health markers be decent yeah while we're losing weight so a question what why do you think people go to that first to, it's to like cardio? as soon as people want to lose weight what's the first thing they do put on their shoes running. and go out to yep. them yeah why i think it's just because it's, it's it's the norm i think also um for a very long time the the suggested by the by the medical community the suggested amount of activity mm-hmm. is is 30 minutes of rigorous cardiovascular activity so i think that it's just been such a norm and so broadly uh Broadcasted. That's specifically, I think that's based off of, I think it's late 80s, early 90s advice. It's been for a while. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. It it needs to be updated. Mm -hmm. But um, but I I think it has part to do with that. I think it also has part to do with when you look at endurance athletes, um, they're generally skinny and and people, you know, want to do that. It's also overly simplistic from a math standpoint. It's like, oh, well, if I can't eat more calories, let me try to lose more calories. And I think people think that sweating. It's also well, something yeah, that that's another thing well, too. Yeah, because if you, it, if you sweat, it you decreases your body weight. That's how yeah. I made weight, dude. It goes, it goes back to the what what happens, you know, the falling in love with the scale. Yep. Yeah. Which is if you lose a lot of uh, water weight, which comes with sweat, when you weigh yourself the next morning or after your workout, you weigh less, and you're like, ah, it's working. Yeah. yeah. Go get a burger. So yep. I can. <laughs> yep. An- anecdotal piece of evidence yeah. here on yeah. uh, on Saturday about what was it six days ago or five days ago? I had a powerlifting competition i was supposed to win weigh in at 181.8 pounds and the morning before that on on friday i weighed in 184.4 so that night i stopped eating at like 3 p.m 4 p.m something like that hit the sauna that night before i lost six pounds Mm -hmm. and i made weight yeah and then i cramped (laughs) (laughs) because i didn't have enough electrolytes anymore yeah yeah so you can lose weight. It makes you lose weight, but your body composition is not going to change. And then you drink a couple of glasses of water and then you just... Yeah, that's it. Get back. Yep. Yeah. Get right back up. All right. So, yeah, that's how you should be training. Um, if you want to lose weight, you should be training. And another reason why you should be training for strength, and I don't think we clarified that, but what I meant is you should be training for strength if you want to lose weight. You should not necessarily cardio. So getting stronger while you're losing weight... And building muscle. And, building mu- and trying to build muscle... Well, at the very least, maintain or send a signal to hold on to muscle, and and then it'll the body will prioritize burning body fat as a source of energy when you're in a caloric deficit. Mm-hmm. If you're sending that signal of like, hey, I still need to lift heavy, I don't want you to get rid of this of this muscle that I so direly need because of the activities that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So if you're training for strength while you're in a caloric deficit, your body will try to choose body fat over muscle as an energy source mm-hmm. to make up for that deficit. So that's why you should be training for strength as you're losing or, or building muscle as you're um, losing weight. And obviously, if you want to build muscle, you should do the same. Um, yeah. That's it. That touches on everything. That's, that's pretty much it. All righty. Well, this, this one was extensive. Yeah. yeah. We ran it for almost two hours here, guys. This, yeah. was, this was huge. But this is a huge topic anyways. Yeah, like absolutely. nutrition is a very controversial, very, it's a hu- it's just massive. Yeah. I think and there's, there's a lot of contradiction anywhere. So yeah. not I surprised. I think a lot of people are going to 
like benefit this from this a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. think so too. So uh, yeah, thank you guys for watching. We'll be coming back for more in upcoming weeks. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed. Leave your reviews for us. Whatever you guys think is uh, is good for us to know. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day.